0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive coverage of the third watch. We are getting really close to the end of the penultimate season of the show. We are into the 19th episode of this season. This one's called Spanking the Monkey. Hello everyone, I hope you're uh, ready to spank some monkeys with us. Uh, this first aired yeah. on the 16th of April. 2004, it was written by Charles Murray and Victor de Jesus, or Jesus, whatever you want to pronounce his name as. And it was directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala. I love saying his name with a bit of an accent, even though it's a very bad one. Uh, but yeah, it's a interesting episode this week. My name is Ben, and I'm starting to like your brother.
1: <laughs> especially, it's an especially interesting episode, but with the title, you know, just off air, I was saying. You know how did they get away with a title like this? Well, my name is Darvell, and touch me again, and I'll kick your ass,
0: dude. Yeah, yeah, you steal my line again, I'll kick your ass, dude. My line.
1: <laughs> you'll scary. have to fly. You'll have to fly to the US first.
0: Oh, trust me, <laughs> if I can do that right now, I would be doing that right now. Um, anyway, we have spanking the monkey. Um. <laughs> It's an interesting title. If, if, I, I really hope that people are, are like going, "Why are they laughing so much at spanking the monkey?" I don't get it. Maybe I should Google it. Please, please Google spanking the monkey. I yeah, I yeah, Google you it and you'll find out. I encourage you to everyone Google it right now. Look at the Google images. Maybe go to videos. You'll have fun. Um, but <laughs> yes, uh, look, it's it's a, a lot of setup this episode. I think moving forward, kind <clears throat> of uh, getting to to what we're going to get at the end of this season and. Look, I've said I, you know, these episodes I think start to wane a little bit in terms of quality. We've had a very consistent season, a surprisingly consistent season from what I remembered. Uh, but you know, look, I think a lot of what I'm going to say about the final few episodes is really just comes down to my personal preference because I really think right now we're we're crossing a line that we're pretty much the season six feel of this show very much. But anyway, um, there are a few moments in this episode that I think kind of make it feel like old school third watch, including the way they kind of open this up with like the water dropping. Uh We've got Bosco washing his face and kind of he's having some audio flashbacks to Mikey and all this sort of stuff for what he was saying about being his brother and everything. Kind of got a bit of a season two feel to it, the way they're kind of starting in this episode. That's just kind of one thing I'll say. Yeah. Um, how they do that. Um He's sort of slowly getting dressed and not feeling too well. And then we see none other than the Fonz. Henry Winkler is at the desk here at the precinct, ladies and gentlemen. Another big name star to be here on Third Watch, Uh aka Lester Martin. Uh, he's there to see, uh, Bosco. I love the way that, that Swirsky's like, what do you do now? Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like, no, 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 nothing to do with that. You know, I, I represent his brother, I think he says, doesn't he? Or no, not yet. He's like, yeah. Oh, he does say that straight away. Yeah. So he's going to wait there for Bosco. We've got Sully and Davis, uh, Sully <clears throat> questioning him, you know, where have you been? Uh, you know, and Davis is kind of not, uh, answering the question. Bosco, uh talking to Yoker saying that he's been up all night calming his mum down kind of with the Mikey arrest and Henry Winkler uh I'm just I'm not calling him Lester Martin he's Henry Winkler ladies and gentlemen <laughs> either that or he's the Fonz. uh he tells Bosco that he's Mikey's uh lawyer and that he wants to talk to Cruz uh in regards to uh his brother uh and then we also see his daughter there uh, and kind of Yoker is like you bring your daughter Ooh, to work
1: pay attention to her
0: and, uh, you know, he's kind of like, oh, you know, I do what I can. And, you know, I'll show him your water, honey. Show him your water. Uh I just want to say this. Like, I said a few weeks ago that I, I think that this is kind of, you can tell what's going to happen here. This is one of those storylines you can. And I remember when I first saw this. Like, okay, I'm going to say I don't know the specifics of what's going to happen. But, like, to me it's too obvious that straight away they make such an emphasis on his daughter. It's kind of like, okay, like, this seems a bit weird that you've got this character who's, Got his daughter... Kind of, like, to me, when you do a TV show and you've got a storyline and you've got a side little thing like that, there's always, to me, sort of a rhyme and reason, at least behind why you're trying to show something. So, straight away, if you're watching a TV show like this, you've got to sort of ask a question. Like, okay, well, why is the daughter there? Like, it's kind of... It's only briefly glanced over and he's walked off. And, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, straight away, I'm like, well, something's not right here. Something's going to come into play with the daughter. So, that's, to me, where I said a few weeks ago, where, like, I kind of guessed... That, you know, there's something not too right here. That's all I can say. Because uh, is this a two or a three episode arc that we get? I think it's a three episode arc, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Yes, it's a three episode arc. It ends with
0: uh higher calling. Mm. And because Kate Jackson's... Is she in both of those last two episodes or just one of them? I think both. Mm. Which it's a pretty iconic... uh tv pairing there isn't it to have uh kate jackson and henry winkler married to each other <laughs> um. yes and and
1: they do and even if the storyline even if the arc isn't really um the best in terms of the element of surprise and all that i think they do i'll have to watch it again to be absolutely sure of this in terms of my opinion but i do i do think they sell their scenes
0: oh absolutely like yeah 100 percent. i think both of these people are very good actors uh, you know, Henry Winkler kind of, you know, he's a bit stereotyped and sort of lumped into that Fonz role of course, but um you know, like and also I think a lot of um you know, he's he's worked a lot with Adam Sandler over the years, which I think a lot of people, you know, not Adam Sandler fans, so they kind of you know, don't have that huge opinion of him. But um yeah, like I think he's he's one of these ones that you don't really associate too well with serious roles. But when you see him in serious roles, you kind of like, he should do more serious roles. So I kind of think that while there isn't a lot of, you know, complete layers to this character of Lester Martin, I feel that he plays kind of this one-tone character very well. It's, it's kind of like when we get to Gene Simmons in a couple of weeks. Like, Gene Simmons, not a very good actor, but like the type of character he's playing, he can kind of get away with being a bad actor because it's very cartoony. So, like, I think at the end of the day, Gene Simmons isn't, doesn't come across as bad as he is, if that makes sense. So.
1: Yeah. And, and the, and the, do- the Donald Mann character played by Gene Simmons, I've said this before. Um, I mean, one thing I like, one thing I do kind of like about him is that, uh, like, like Chevchenko from season three, Donald Mann is, he, he's very, He's not over the top angry, you know. He's he's the he's the the calm the calm type of bad guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Like, i I I like the calm type of bad guy. I think it's it's you know we sort of mentioned that. I think with Chevchenko and kind of you look at someone like Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. Like, you know, kind of they make for a more sinister type of bad guy, like Benjamin Linus in Lost. Like these sort of characters who are. They they use their words to be evil, and they don't. You know they don't have to be like full on like fashion people and all this sort of stuff, but they still have their evil ways. Well, I think Donald Mando, yeah, we- yeah, I mean, he's definitely a calm sort of evil boss. It just he doesn't. You don't get enough of him to even see what he's capable of, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, maybe they could have shown him a little more, like from the from the start of this whole ecstasy storyline.
0: Yeah, well, well, we're going to get to him very, very soon. Anyway, um, yeah, we will. So, we've got uh, Henry Winkler with Cruz and Bosco and we're finding out that Mikey wants to make a deal. He wants to basically become a rat and, um, you know, help out some people to get out of jail. Bosco's not happy about this, sort of yelling at them like, you know, you go away. And uh, then we've got uh, Bosco and Cruz going off at like, you know, leaving the hell alone. Cruz is like, I don't think so. And then he's basically like, you hurt my brother, I'm going to kill you. That's a promise. Can I just bookmark this note right now? Uh is that a promise Bosco keeps? I don't think it is. <laughs> um so, <laughs> No. You know. Just wanna point it out there, Bosco, you might be all talks there, my friend. Um we've got Bosco questioning Mikey, sort of asking him like what's he doing and um yeah, sort of Bosco doesn't think he should do it, because you know, you know what they do to snitches in here, and then Mikey's kind of like, well, hopefully I'm not going to be in here for that much longer, and then it all comes down to the point where Mikey sort of talks Bosco around of doing this, and then he's sort of saying like, hey, we can go on a road trip, we can go to Atlantic City, and then I do love the way that Mikey's kind of just like, you're going to have to pay though, I've got no money. Uh, and then kind of, you know, Bosco laughs. laughs. I, like, this is maybe one of, if not the only scene we ever kind of really get of Bosco and Mikey have kind of almost been like brotherly and friendly. One, Yeah,
1: one, I wish we could have seen more of that.
0: Yeah, one, I don't want to call it a plot hole, it's just one question I have for this. <coughs> Bosco says to him he can't go into witness protection because the city doesn't have a witness protection program. Was it not only about four episodes ago that he was trying to get Ali Nato into witness protection? like is that because that would be a federal yeah, witness and protection another, program like how does that work yeah probably a federal
1: witness protection program because he mentioned you know to Ali you know you'll get some, pla- some place in the middle of nowhere in Iowa or something like that
0: yeah um I don't know like it, I, I guess it would be but like why then isn't Mikey held under the same thing that he could possibly go into the federal witness protection program if you know what I mean don't know it's, it's weird, but like, again, it's. I don't want to say it's a plot hole. It's just kind of one of these things. If you're paying attention to the show and kind of what happened a few weeks ago, it's kind of. Like you got to at least ask the question. Um, so we've got Davis and Sully having a bit of a conversation here, and I just love the way Sully eventually gets out of Davis that uh, he's been spending a lot of time at a house, and kind of. Sully's like, you know, when you start seeing someone, you go quiet about them. Um, and then kind of Davis eventually, like, gives in. He's like, I like her. Yeah, I kind of dig her. And then I love the way that he's not admitted that he's even been staying there. He's denied it. But then Sully's just basically like, say hello to me for you when you, uh, when you go to a house tonight. And then David's just like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's kind of funny. It's good to have sort of a moment between these two again. But, um. Yeah. Sully's. Can I just point out, like, I'm not, I don't want to really say anything negative about Sully's (laughs) a little bit of a hypocrite, isn't he? Like, Davis turns around and questions him about Judge Holdstead earlier this season. But, uh, you know, like. He can do the same Davis. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun relationship. Yep. I do love when he says, like, what's an eight-letter word for liar, beginning with B? Um, <laughs> bullshit, for those yeah, at home it, playing, I, by the way. I was
1: going to say, what is that?
0: I'm going to just count them. B- <U-L-L-S-2> I wondered what it was. H I T. Yeah, eight letters. There you go. Look, mm-hmm. I can count. Um, <laughs> I learned to count at school. I'm proud of myself. Bosco and crew. Uh, Bosco and Yoke is, by the way, <laughs> here with Sergeant Wynn. Um, I do like the way they kind of say like, uh, oh, look, she says like, oh, look, my two favorite street cops or whatever she says. Um, yeah. And basically Bosco goes to her to say like, I don't want Cruz talking to Mikey. I'm more comfortable with you talking to him. So she sort of goes ahead with that. Um, Kim meanwhile is trying to get home. We find out that, uh, obviously her and Jimmy are still seeing each other because she says, oh, Jimmy was going to pick me up, but, uh, he's on a run at the moment. Uh, Carlos and Holly are trying to come up with cab money, and I love Carlos just being a dick, like, yeah, I'm not giving you cab money. So JD is gonna take, uh, take her home, and then I love kind of Kim's reluctance, and he's kind of like, I may be well off base here, but I'm actually seeing someone. And she's just, and he's just like straight away like, oh, no, it's fine. The old woman thing isn't really my bag anyway. <laughs>
1: she's like older woman
0: yeah the, the thing that's funny about this is that like yeah I get JD's meant to be like a, a kid and kids meant to be older but I just point out that like they do not look like there's any age difference in between them at all like Kim Raver looks great not saying that uh, JD Joseph Socorro doesn't look great but I'm just trying to find <laughs> out if there is actually an age difference between the two because you know Kim Raver just looks so darn good that she just doesn't look like she's any older than him uh, she's actually seven years older than Joseph Sikora according to their date of birth. So it's not even that much if you ask me. So anyway, um, but yeah, some so people, we, some people, yeah,
1: some, some people, I was gonna say, some people, some people definitely age very well.
0: Yes. I'm not one of them. No, I don't know, actually. I've I've never really uh, had anything against my aging anyway. uh, We're outside a club, a rave. Cruz is taking photos outside of this club. Bosco and Yoka show up. Um, I do like the way that uh, when they pull into this little alley, Yoka's is kind of like, oh, what are these kids here going to be like when they're older? And Bosco's like, you sound like a mum. And she's like, I am a (laughs) mum. Kind of a fun little moment. Um, JD, meanwhile, uh, pulls up. Uh, outside this rave with Kim in the car and kind of like Cruz is like oh JD Hart really in a rave Um, and JD tells Kim that he's just going <coughs> to drop off a CD off to a friend who's spinning tonight Kim's all like oh is this a rave raves are illegal like what's their fire code like you know you're FDMI we shouldn't be here Uh, and then basically he's like look just come in for 10 minutes it'll be fine <laughs> again this- one thing with this episode like as soon as the character is like oh it'll only be 10 minutes it'll be fine yeah no shit's going down uh, I-
1: <laughs> uh, especially because, I mean, come on We know what kind of show this is
0: Yeah um, We know what kind of show
1: this is Some shit is about to happen
0: Yeah, exactly Shit gonna go down uh- <laughs>
1: No, 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 oh, no, 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 no Shit gonna go down
0: Yeah, thank you You're better to say <laughs> it than I am um, So they go inside We've got a $20 cover charge No change, no change Get um, of- it right Kim going, you know, looking around and kind of... Kim quickly gets turned around, doesn't she? She's like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, We've got a woman sort of like, hey, JD, and she's wearing no pants. And JD randomly asks Kim if she wants to dance. Um, Somebody comes up to him and, like, whispers in his ear... Uh, again, like, what we were saying last week about sort of setting up the JD character, to me reading into this, you kind of like meant to imply that it's like, oh, JD and Kim are gonna have a moment and maybe Jimmy's gonna have to come in and kick his ass or something like that. Like, you know, kind of just the way they're trying to set this up. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's kind of, it's weird the way they go about this. But, uh, anyway, we'll get to more of that after. Uh, Cruz sees a car pull up, has a dolphin sticker on the back of the car. Um, Uh-oh. and then in the club, back in the rave, <clears throat> somebody yelling for help, Kim goes to help someone, and then all these people starting to drop down on the floor because we realize that there's bad ecstasy, I guess, uh, being taken in this rave. Uh, Sergeant Wynn shows up to Bosco and, uh, Yokus and has the, oh, I'm starting to like your brother. He grows on you. Um, so <laughs> she's gonna go in and, uh, bust this rave. Bosco and Yokus are gonna run transport. Um, and kind of, you know, they think that she's doing it to keep her, keep them away from crews. I love the way that Yokos is like, we're not afraid of crews. And, uh, Sergeant Wins just kind of like, no, it's not that. Um, so they then go to, uh, raid the place, but an ambulance shows up at this rave because Kim's called an ambulance. Carlos goes in. Um, Kim's trying to get JD to stop the music, and he's just kind of like, bad ex happens, he won't stop the music. Carlos comes in, I just love Carlos, when he's coming in, he's like, coming through, coming through, and he sees like this one girl who's like, dancing with him, and he's kind of like, hey, how you doing? And then Kim's just kind of like, Carlos, get over here! Uh, <laughs> Cruz and, uh, Wynn go to break in, uh, to raid the place, and sort of Cruz is like, what are you doing here? And Wynn's just like, thanks for the back. My love, Sergeant Wynn. The more I actually think about this, I actually really like her. Like, she's just kind of got yeah. this sassiness to her about it that, uh, you know, like, she's kind of there, she's kind of brought in, and it's kind of like, oh, who is this woman? But, like, the few bits we get of her, actually, I'm going to say right now, I don't think I was too positive on her a few weeks ago, but I, I like Sergeant Wynn.
1: Yeah, wish she could have stayed.
0: Yeah, well, maybe she will, Darville, I don't know, I haven't seen the episodes yet. <laughs> What are you trying to say? And you call yourself a third watch fan? I've never seen the show before <laughs> in my life. I'm trying to speak on behalf of my listeners. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so they go inside uh, into the rave, <laughs> and uh, I do love the moment there between Kim and Holly, where Kim's like trying to tell Holly about something, and Holly's just like, "What? What? <laughs> so her pulse is weak, and <laughs> stop the music." Kim basically gets up and uh, gets the music stopped. And meanwhile, outside, somebody throws a Molotov cocktail in the window. Uh, Bosco and Yokus arrest this guy who's done it. And a car with a monkey sticker on it drives off in the meantime nearby um, the uh, nearby the club. One question I'm going to ask, I don't know if you know the answer, because I'm a little bit confused with this whole monkey-dolphin thing. So Donald Mann is the monkeys, right? And... Mikey.
1: No, I think he's the dolphins. No, I,
0: well, I thought he's the monkeys because his car has uh, Joey Man in it. So why would? Oh, he, yeah, like because this is this oh, is what okay. leads him to Joey Man because Yoka sees the driver and identifies uh, Joey <laughs> Man. So Donald Man is okay, the monkeys, okay. and then so obviously uh, Mikey is the dolphins, if I'm not mistaken. Um. Because what we're gonna to have to, the reason I'm asking that question is because kind of when to get some Mikey stuff later on. Actually, no, it does make sense. Sorry, I'm answering the questions in my head right now. Because of what happens to Joey? What happens? Okay, yep, okay. Never mind. Ignore me, Darville. I'm, I'm fine. I've answered my own question. I can't really answer it on air because, you know, I'm gonna spoil an episode in a few weeks. Anyway. They, we've got this whole fire on the building now. There's a chain on the door. They can't get out. Uh, everyone's trying to stay calm. Kim's in trouble again. Ah, uh, this this whole rave thing, eh. Like, you know, Kim's in trouble. Random person's gotta be in trouble again, don't they? Um, JD goes out the front, can't find Kim. They go back inside and then they find Kim and some other uh kids. Like well, the Kim is literally at the door, like pushed against a metal fence with a couple of other people. How the fuck did they miss her when they walked in and out of that building? Um, like that is that is the question I'm gonna ask. Who knows? Um, but uh, the kind of, there's that look on JD's face, like when he rushes back in the building and Walsh is trying to stop him, you know, like, you know, you've got no equipment. He's kind of got this like blank look on his face and that kid's gonna be dangerous. Um, so we've got yeah. kid in the ambulance. JD's driving. Um, he's asking how he's doing and Carlos is just like, shut up and drive. Uh, Dr. Hickman, meanwhile, uh, he's there to help Kim. Uh, Carlos saying that, uh, she took a lot of, uh, smoke. And then kind of JD is there talking to Carlos, like, you know, it wasn't my fault. Like, you know, I hope she's okay. And your opening line, you know, grabs, Carlos grabs JD. He's like, you touch me again? I'll kick your ass, dude. <laughs> I love, it. like, angry Carlos is great because, like, you just know, like, Carlos is like me. Like, I, I could not threaten anyone to save my life. But when you do it, it's kind of done in a way where, like, Eddie Reeve uh, portrays it so well, where he's kind of betraying it as a guy who knows he's probably going to get his ass kicked by this guy, but he's still sort of standing up for his friend. It's kind of like what he did with Noble last season. He's like, yeah, she looked real good too. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, I don't even know where I was going with this. So yeah, the, the, I had a comment about the fire at the rave, but then I thought, nah, it's not really going to add anything to the conversation. It's just kind of like the right. It's another thing that was just kind of. It was. It was just. It was another thing that was kind of. It's kind of gelled over a few seasons. A few seasons ago, maybe even maybe even last season or season three, this would have been the main. This probably would have been the main plot of the episode.
0: I think, yeah, I agree, but I think also, too, the fact, if you kind of look at what they're doing with this show at the moment, it kind of it goes back to my point where, you know, you've got a random explosion here, you've got this, like, if you kind of analyse how the last few weeks have played out, like, they've really gone out of their way to kind of have a major event like this almost in every single episode, haven't they? And I think it gets yeah. to a point where you sort of get a bit numb to it, like... The earlier seasons, like, you wouldn't have a big event every episode. Like, you would just have certain crimes and certain things. And, like, even just your small rescues, and then every few episodes you'd have a big rescue or a big event. And this is the problem, I think. This is where I think it really leads into Season 6 feel, because to me, Season 6, every week they try to go out of their way to have, like, a big event or an explosion or some sort of huge big thing to really kind of draw you in. Because, again, they're trying to keep the viewers in. I understand it. But, like this is what third watch did so well every week was kind of, it just, it was about the characters and then kind of, you had these big things. Whereas nowadays it's just all about the job and it's all about kind of the crimes or the fires and that sort of stuff. I think the characters take a back seat and particularly moving into season six. Um, and it's just kind of, yeah, you just get numb to it. It's like, if you're used to it, then what's not going to be like something you're going to be on the edge of your seat for anymore. And I feel that this rave has that feel to it because even when we're going to find out that like seven people die, there's no emotional connect to it. They just basically drop it. Yeah, seven people died. Okay, cool, moving on. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, whereas, again, you know, if this were... I mean, season one, se- season one, it was... A-, a lot of season one was just the jobs. Yeah. And no care, and really no character development. But at least then it was believable.
0: Well, I-, I mean, I disagree. I think season one was all about character development. Like, you, you I think you're on the same page as... Uh, Ed Alan Bonero, when he was sort of in that interview I read leading into season six, where he said in that interview that early on we focused on the jobs and like now we're focusing on character development. I, I disagree. I think this show has a complete opposite. I think the earlier days are all about character development. Uh, the jobs are secondary. And even if you, um, watch those special features on the, on the first disc of season one, on season one, the, you know, the featurette, they say in that, like it's about the characters, not the job. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just, it's kind of interesting how people can look at things differently. But yeah, I, I I think this is all about the job now and there's no real character development at this point moving forward.
1: Yeah. I think what I I think what I was trying to say was, you know, a few seasons ago, even though even the line of, you know, seven people seven people died at this rave, you know, season one, season two, season three, and maybe, 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 maybe season four it would have hit us. You're right. It would have hit us harder because we would have actually been able to see, you know, the rest, the rescue, the rescue going down.
0: Yeah, and I think one no. thing to kind of backtrack to last week, which we should have mentioned, and kind of in kind of comparing where this show has come. Like I mentioned last week, how sort of the Sasha storyline was a little bit similar in some aspects to what we had an officer involved in, in loosely. And I think kind of the scene that they had with Davis and Monroe was kind of, you know, that bit where it was meant to be sort of a closure for Monroe, but you didn't really feel like it. Whereas you had Sully and Davis in Officer Evolved having that great scene you know, kind of like where Davis like, I thought he was going to kill you, man. And they like hung it out and kind of just, you know, like you get, I feel you walk out of that episode with a conclusion and you just feel like you've developed things between these characters and their bond between the two. Right. Whereas do you really leave last week thinking like, holy crap, Davison, uh you know, Sasha are going to hook up because she believes no, in God. He, he so sort of does. Rushed. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So I kind of think that's when we can look at these episodes and try and compare them to a similar episode from an earlier season. I think that's where you can see the differences in the show. Um and yeah. you know, it's not necessarily a like <clears throat> completely bad thing because again, I I've, I've talked a lot about on in our Survivor days and defended Survivor a lot um because you know, when a show's on a, on TV for a certain amount of years, you have to develop, you have to kind of move with the times and you know a show like survivor is always introducing twists and everything to adapt to the times and you know at the time of recording this it's a show that's been on the air for 19 years you can't not develop and move on third watch is only on air for six years so but there's still development in six years so you know you can't keep the show the same for for so long there's very few shows that remain the same and do it successfully for so long because then you get right. fans like look at 24 that we've talked about so many times that they try to keep it the same they try to keep the same formula every season but you know by the time you get to season six season seven and then season eight when it finishes everyone's just simply complaining that it's the same show they're just doing the same thing every season and nothing's new about it so you know there's there's a there's a line and that's there, true
1: yeah and the, and that's true because around that time and i've said this to you before and i think you've agreed that around that time concerning 24 it got way too predictable Very so it lost extreme. its excitement I mean, the thing it is... Lost it lost its excitement.
0: 24 is just a unique show, I feel, where kind of, like, it started off so goddamn good, changed everything, kind of. It lived off its reputation from the first season, you know, on the second, third, and fourth seasons, because I I am an advocate, huge advocate for the third and fourth seasons of 24. I think they're incredibly underrated, particularly the, the third season. Uh The second season is a good season. It's not a bad season, but, like, a lot of people criticise it. But it's it's a show that, like, it was, like, maybe as good, if not better, in season five than it was in season one. Like, season five, what a season. Like, it's it's rare for a show to be able to kind of have such a peak first season and then be able to recover itself to do an even almost better season. So it kind of had two peaks of 24, and then it just really waned off. And you would even argue, though, season six, like, the first four episodes were brilliant. Like, the first, you know, six of that season was just on the same level as season five. But then all of a sudden, like, they had 18 episodes of nothing, of season six and then kind of seven and eight are just your Grace Foster seasons. Like they're just meh. Like, you know, they're there. And yep. I barely remember, like this is the thing with season seven and eight of 24. I've seen them multiple times, but often you'll say like, Oh, this person was in 24. Oh, what see? No, they weren't. Like, yeah, season seven. Oh, okay. That's probably why I don't really remember them straight away. So yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and season five was actually, I think that's when 24 really, like really, 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 really found it, that's when it really seemed to gain popularity was in that season that I noticed anyway.
0: Well, the thing with season five is that like, uh you know, season one, was, it won, you know, I think it won acting awards for Keith Sutherland. I don't know if it won like best drama or anything, but season five is when it won all the awards. Like again, Keith Sutherland got acting ones. You know, I know uh Gregory Itzen and uh Martha, what's her name? The one who played his wife. Gene Smart. Gene Smart. Um Yeah. So they got a lot of, you know, and rightfully so, plaudits for that and like you think about season five how that started that very first episode where they you know kill off three people well two people sort of one was in a coma wasn't he um yeah. you know so like what show could do that like first episode you kill off like technically three major characters like that'd be like coming into season five and we're gonna kill off bosco we're gonna kill off you know uh cruise and we're gonna kill off uh, davis like boom straight out of the block um, and season five of 24 successfully does that. And holy crap. Anyway, we'll get to 24 one day. Um, but yeah, we will. The point of this conversation is that, like, it's it's very few and far between that a TV show can maintain a consistency. Uh, and then if it drops away, I guess, rip that into to shape and bring it back again. So, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so the rave, yes. Um, it's a bit gelled over. That's essentially what we're trying to say here. Bosco is questioning yeah. the guy. Sorry, listeners. It's all right. We, we need to apologise <laughs> to both of them every week for listening to this crap anyway. Uh, Bosco <laughs> with the fire starter guy questioning him. Um, and then we get Sergeant Wynn sort of implying that uh, Bo- uh, Mikey might be in trouble because it sort of seems like he sent them into a burning building here. Like he's, he's got a whole bunch of cops together uh, into one building. Um, so, um, they're basically, and Bosco's like, no, that's not true, that's not true. So, uh, Sergeant Wynn, though, then says to Bosco and Yoko's like, hey, how about you guys try interrogating this guy? And Yoko's like, oh, that's really the detective job. He's like, oh, will give it a shot. Um, I do like that line, though, when Sergeant Wynn is like, oh, you should have seen the look on Cruz's face, uh, when I told her about, uh, this rave or whatever it was. And just, Bosco has this, like, little rice smile on his face, like, kind of like, yeah, sucked in Cruz. <laughs> Um, again, kind of this weirdness around the Cruise character at this moment, cause like, wasn't it only a few weeks ago that Botha and Cruise has sort of kissed and made up, and now they're at each other's uh, throats again? Um, JD goes in to see Kim, uh, and this is that line where kind of like, Kim is sort of like, did anyone die? And kind of JD's like, yeah, a few. Uh, then kind of Kim questions him, like, you're part of running this, aren't you? And he sort of admits that he was sort of in between being a cop and a firefighter who needed money, but he's not really doing it anymore. Um, And then Kim is like, I'm going to report you. Go away. Now, look, I think this is the last time we see JD as well, because we're going to find out he quits in about five minutes. Um, I've got to say here, in a weird defence for JD, but does JD actually do anything wrong here? Why is JD getting the blame? Well, no, he
1: doesn't, because, I mean, he he didn't know that that was... I don't think he. I really don't think he knew that that was going to happen, and exactly. he did. And he did. And as Billy says later on, I mean, that man, that man. When he found out that Kim, that Kim didn't come out with the rest of them, to, to hell with putting on his protective gear and all that. He rushed back in there to get her out, yeah. and risked and risked, risked his own life to do, to do that. That that doesn't sound like someone who would be involved who would knowingly be involved with some with with that sort of thing being set up at that particular rave. And so yeah. no, I don't I don't think he was in the wrong. And I think I think he should have stuck around because Walsh was right when he said, you know, you know, he he, he rushed he rushed back in, he rushed back in to get you. Kid had the makings of a good firefighter. He did.
0: I agree. And I think kind of what I've learned in the last couple of weeks in rewatching this again and being really able to focus on JD is kind of I went into this as like, JD, meh, like, oh, you know, what whatever. But I kind of like actually don't mind this character and I'm kind of sad that he's just so wasted in two episodes because like I've really come out of this episode watching this time thinking like, again, he, he did nothing wrong. Like you're absolutely right. Like all he did was pull over and say like, I'm just going to drop something off. And then they were just essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, that's not JD's fault. Like, it's not JD's fault at all. Like, if they get into a car accident on the way home and they get, like, you know, like, say what happened last week to Sasha. Like, somebody rear-ends them, and this time around they're not doing it to get insurance money. It's not JD's fault. So do you get out of the car and, like, go away, leave me alone, you got into a car accident? So I love you, Kim, but you have got no right, right now, to be angry at JD. And what's what's business? You should be business? thanking him.
1: It's thanks to him that it's thanks to him that you're in that hospital bed and not
0: in the fucking morgue. And what's it her business that if he needs to make an income in between jobs, like okay, a rave is technically illegal, but at the end of the day, like again, this is going back to a few weeks ago, when it's kind of like you know what's crime, but. You know, like, these cops are obviously... Even the cops are sort of loosely letting this rave go because they're trying to get the drugs out of it, aren't they? It's kind of like one of these things where cops know it's illegal, but they kind of let it go, if you know what I mean? So it's kind yeah. of... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. like the point is, I and think I- JD is unfairly treated in this, and I agree with you. I wish he had a stuck around. i would be so interesting to find out why. Again, as I said last week, I'm assuming <laughs> it's a casting thing that just he didn't want to stick around, or, like, maybe they didn't want to... Like I, I would assume it's a... Uh, an unsure issue like oh we're not sure the show's coming back so we don't know if we're going to keep him around but keep him on and right then that we develop this character because again you've got an ex-cop becoming a firefighter there's a story in itself like you try to explore it with taylor that she's both a paramedic and a firefighter that's interesting you did the best you could and we got some great stuff out of that this is a great i don't i can't think of a show off the top of my head i'm sure there are people can correct me where you've had a, a cop become a firefighter so you know it's it's interesting to me <laughs> yeah
1: Yep, and also, I mean, I wonder what I wonder how I wonder what Kim's reaction was when he when she finds out from Walsh that, you know, hey, you you know he you know he he ran back in he ran back in there to get you out, right? Yeah You well, know me, that, don't you? We'll
0: get to that scene <laughs> in a minute. And I think she does have yeah. a reaction, but anyway. Um Cruz is uh going off uh with Yoshi uh Basically, you know, how the hell did Wynn know about this raid? And then kind of Wynne comes in and sort of overhears her and it's basically like, you know, like, hey, Maritz, aren't we all on the same team here? Which is, you know, a fair point. They kind of are. But I guess this is this weird crew storyline they're trying to do that she's against the police force. Um So she's then uh finds out that Bosco and uh Yokos are questioning this guy who started the fire. So Cruz walks in and starts threatening him and saying, You'll get the death penalty. You have liquid, hot liquid straight into your arm. She shoves a prisoner up against the uh the cage and basically breaks her nose and then Yokus goes off at her and he's like, I'm gonna call IAB and then uh Cruz like, You call the rat squad and she's like in a heartbeat and then kind of Cruz like, Oh, you know what sort of cop she is then uh and then I love the way that Yokus is kind of like don't you forget it. Um <laughs> So, we got the next morning, Bosco says that seven people died, uh, l- the last night, and we find out that, uh, you know, Cruz is gonna go down really hard on Mikey for this. Uh, Yokus again says to Bosco, we should go to IAB, and kinda of Bosco's like, no, that's not the way we play it, let's go look at those photos, because you said you recognises, you recognise him. I, haven't, I like the nice little moment between Yokus and Bosco, the way kinda of Bosco's just like, hey Yokus, thank you, and she's just kinda of like, you know, you're welcome. Um, this is the bit where Kim shows up to talk to Billy, you know, supervisor to lieutenant. And obviously this is where mm-hmm. you feel she's going to report him. But this is when, uh, you know, Billy basically talks about JD and it's kind of like, yeah, he just came in and quit. You know, it's a damn shame. He was making of a good firefighter, 26 months on the list. Uh, finally got in and he left. Um, and then kind of, you know, Kim sort of obviously just doesn't put in the complaint because that's when Walsh is sort of like, oh, you know, I thought you wanted to talk to me about supervisor to lieutenant. Kind of, you know, she's just like, hey, I'll see you in a few days because she's obviously off in a few days because of a medical. But, um yeah, like, I think her reaction is of pure, like, oh, okay, maybe I should give this kid a break. But, again, it doesn't really matter, does A little it, late because- now. Bye, JD. Thanks for your time. <laughs> um Henry Winkler, meanwhile, uh, shows up uh, to the precinct, and he's there, sees Cruz, and uh, kind of, she's like, oh, what, you're here to talk about Mikey? And we find out that he's actually there to represent the guy who started the fire. And she's kind of like, what, are all the people you uh, represent ecstasy de- dealers? And he's kind of like, no. Uh, and then sort of says, like, he kind of drops a line that um, people have the people have his family, sort of this fire starter guy. The reason why I did it is because, you know, people have kidnapped his family. So he's willing to talk, and willing to cooperate. Um, he, and I love the way Henry Winkler is like, he wants to cooperate to avoid the hot dose of liquid in his arm. Did you say that? And I love the way, like, the <laughs> yes. look on Cruz's face is kind of like, fuck you. Yes, I said that, but whatever. Um, so then we kind of have this big setup now where, uh, Jokis and Bosco are looking at photos. And Sergeant Wynn is kind of going through the whole ecstasy operation about how that they ship so much of it into the country in so many different ways that eventually it has to get in. And then we hear for the first time the name Donald Man, where they basically say um, he's um, he's the one who runs it all. We don't even know if he's in the country or not. Um, So it's kind of like, oh, who is this Donald Man? Who is this mysterious guy? recognised recognises a photo, realises it's a driver. We find out that that is Joey Man, Donald's son, um, so then the young Firestarter kid spills all the information on Donald Mann and where he's going to be and everything and, uh, that they're going to be in a record store. So, uh, yeah, we're getting, we've heard Donald Mann's name for the first time here, Darvel.
1: That we have. It's or, kind of exciting, I, isn't it? Or know, say- we're
0: at this point of the show where Gene Simmons is really in the show.
1: <laughs> yes, that we have heard his name.
0: You do? He's in okay, not very
1: well. <laughs> Okay, I was going to say I'm not too sure how good of an impression that is.
0: Yeah, I uh, know. I think you do well. You do well. So this leads in uh, basically to our our big car chase of the episode. Um, so Cruise and Wind show up at the same time to do the same thing, and basically, like again, like, is this really a thing? Like, do the cops really go into two different raids? Like, no, come on. Like, it's anyway. Uh, so this all ends up, uh, basically, Donald Man's son escapes out the back. He steals a taxi, and they go into this massive uh, car chase. Uh, we kind of got this shot of uh, Cruz running out of the building with Yoshi, kind of this shocked look on the face because she realises that she's not the one who's doing the chasing here. So it's kind of weird that you got like these two cops chasing after the same person for different reasons. So uh, big car chase. One thing I've noticed about this episode that kind of makes it a little bit weird is there's not a lot of music. There's not a lot of score to this episode. So kind of this car chase is kind of done. Um, you know previously everything was quiet but now you've kind of got this weird dance sort of music playing in the background um yeah. there's a bit of tension around the fact that uh, uh Bosco and Yokus get blocked off by a driver they go around the corner and there's a whole bunch of cabs so they don't know where he is before he drives out of it and then it all kind of comes to a head when he speeds off gets towards an intersection where there's a bunch of kids crossing the line somehow Jok- uh, Cruz has made a couple of blocks ahead of them she spins in front of the kids to protect them which means that uh Joey Man has to turn another street corner he goes into an intersection and smashes underneath the truck uh, crushes everything. And man, one of my favourite lines, I always love this line in Third Watch, is when Bosco gets out of the car, rushes up to the taxi, looks and kind of has this look on his face and is like, well, he's dead. And then kind of cruises <laughs> like, you sure? And then kind of the way Bosco looks at the taxi and is like, yep. <laughs> and it just kind of walks <laughs> off. Definitely. Uh, again, Mallory was watching this with me and she even laughed at this. I just love that line. Um, and I'll just wrap this up here by saying that we get back to yeah. the precinct. We find out that Cruz is going to get put in for a commendation because she saved the kids. Uh, so they're not too happy about that. And she did. Yeah, well, she did, but I guess kind of as kind of it's implied that she did it. She didn't do it deliberately. She was doing it mainly to block Joey Mann, but yes, you're right. Uh, and then Sergeant Wynn kind of drops the line of like, hey, be careful. You know, like, Donald Mann is a dangerous guy and he's going to want to see who's responsible for the death of his son. And then it ends with, uh, Yoko saying it's been one hell of a day, and we kind of close it off the same way we opened with Bosco washing his face and slow drops of water in the, uh, in the sink. So, I mean, it's a great car chase. I think this is very tense. It's great, and kind of, I love the setup here where they're basically saying, like, hey guys, watch your back. Donald Bannon will be after you. Yes, he will. Yeah, so I don't know if you've got anything to add, kind of, on anything that we just No. Had here. No, well, nothing really. Well, then let's get into the ratings. What are you doing with this episode?
1: We are. Well, at least I am renting. You are renting. Why are you renting? I just think I just think some elements of this episode could have gone could have been better. But it wasn't enough to like completely send the episode into the trash.
0: I wholeheartedly agree with you. I am also renting it and I think kind of you summed that up beautifully. Uh, that's, yeah, I mean, I think it's better than last week, uh, just, um, if I look at it on paper, I will tell you where I've ranked it in just one second, um, but, yeah, I think kind of, it's a set-up episode, it's not outstanding, you're not, you know, spanking the monkey, uh, in the future after, uh, you know, talking about this episode, I think kind of it's exciting to get Donald Mann's name drop, uh, in there to kind of, you know, realise where we are with this point, but, uh, Mm yeah, yeah. So, that's where we are. Uh, I have ranked this uh, 96 out of 107. So, uh, you know, a few spots ahead of last week, but not uh, overly high when it comes to anything along those lines. But next week, Darvell, we come into episode 20, uh, which uh, we have a little bit more with Lester. And that, of course, mm-hmm. is uh, Henry Winkler. Uh, a little bit more with Jokas and Fred. Yay. Um, we get a bit more, um, around the daughter character of, uh, of Henry Winkler, and we've got a bit of Sully in kind of, uh, a restaurant he goes to, and, yeah, so, and we get the LSAT results next week, yay, so, in plain view. Oh, we do? The name of the episode, I should say, uh, any, any thoughts on that before we close it off?
1: Uh, no, because I haven't, I haven't watched that episode for, uh, for ages, so... Well, there you go. I'm going to have to go to back do and do that.
0: You will. Possibly. might work in uh, in order for us to do this episode, probably. In the meantime, everyone, thank yep. you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to all our relevant channels. Get any comments, queries, theosnetwork at hotmail.com. We appreciate your feedback and support along the way. But until next week, thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben, and um, I don't actually have a line, so au one. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: My name is Darbell and Ben. You go to raves? See you next week, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to The Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.